Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Bellies, Babies, and Beyond podcast. I am your host and parenting coach, Debbie Fazio, and I'm so excited to bring to you a podcast that discusses all topics from pregnancy and childbirth right through into parenting. Over my almost two decades working with new and expecting families and raising my own children who are now in their 20s, I have met some incredible experts, and I'm excited to share them all with you because we all know it takes a village. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my very good friend and colleague, Michelle McVitie. Thank you so much for hopping on today. Of course. Michelle, I know we've done a few podcasts and recordings with you, but if you could tell everyone who you are, I know I'm a big fan, so we want to get them to be your fans too. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, So my name is Michelle McVitie. I'm a child life specialist, a parenting coach, speaker, and an author. My first book is I Quit. Oh, wait, I'm the mom. Practical tips to find your joy again. I create downloadables, um, do one-on-one consultations, and I have online courses. So lots of different ways to get a hold of me and get information um, from me so that's who I am that's awesome and we're going to have all your information to reach out to you in our show notes as well at the end so anyone looking for Michelle you'll be able to reach out directly and get her help Um, Michelle I know you've been part of my village for a long time you and I have known each other since we were flower girls in a mutual family (laughs) member's wedding and I'm so honored and excited and I get giddy when we chat because you know, we, we are good friends and we did grow up together and to be able to support families now and their parenting journeys is exciting to be able to do that together. So thank you for all the work you do. All the lessons I've learned from you have been amazing. So it's, it's an honor to have you here today. Uh, today's topic is a big one. And uh, it's funny because we talk about it being as terrible twos. And then you quickly re- realize that you've got terrible threes, terrible fours, <laughs> terrible 15s and so on. So um, you're going to lighten parents today on temper tantrums. And this is a really good topic to at least be proactive about because sometimes you think your children are like the best in the entire world. They're so well behaved. And then all of a sudden they do something and we have no idea how to react. So tell me a little bit about temper tantrums. What are the common things you hear? Common complaints, concerns, parents tell you that they can't Mm -hmm. handle. Yeah, well, the temper tantrum, uh, parents just see it as this is just defiance. Um, It's something that needs to be punished and it needs to stop. Um, And I'm not allowing this, right? So they really don't understand developmentally how normal it is and they get very frustrated with it. And it turns into a power struggle between usually toddler (laughs) and parent, right? So they get really frustrated um, and, you know, they... They just don't know what to do and they want to know in the moment, what do I do to make it stop? So what I notice with parents is that it's more of that black and white thinking of this needs to stop. And um, this is, you know, and I hate to say this, but it's almost like an inconvenience. You know, the emotion is an inconvenience for the parent. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be an embarrassment to the parent. It could be frustrating. They feel like maybe the child is being manipulative. Um, And so it just becomes, this just needs to stop. And how do I make it stop 
in the moment. So I hear a lot of that. And unfortunately, the answers are not simple. <laughs> and there's really not a lot you can do in the moment. We'll, I will talk a little bit about that with the tips. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm going to ask you about because I know one of the things that we get a lot with the younger children is timeouts. And I know this can be a controversial topic as well. I, I know how I use them. I don't know if they were right or wrong or not, but you've got some unique um, information to share about that. So how do you feel about timeouts in terms of yes, no? And if, if it's a yes, how do we do them? And if it's a no, what do we do instead of? Yeah, um, timeouts are not bad. Um, the reason why they have been taking out of a lot of like a lot of these like ECEs, for example, they don't use timeouts anymore. So they've been removed um, because people are using them inappropriately and timeouts can be abusive. Um, because parents are locking children in their rooms, um, they're forcing them into corners, uh, the child is upset, and it's like, you need to leave. Um, so it can become um, abusive, right? Where this child, you know, we have to reframe our thinking to this child is giving me a hard time. And instead, um, my child is having a hard time. Children are very emotional. Parents are very rational and we wanna throw rationale at somebody that's emotional. So a timeout, the purpose of a timeout, if you ask a parent that, they think, well, it's for them to think about what they've done wrong, of course. Maybe if they're 40, <laughs> you know, um, but the purpose of a timeout is to say, whatever behavior you're doing, I'm not gonna give attention to. And the other thing is, to calm down. Okay, so what we do is we send the child away. And it's usually get out of here. You know, we're trying to have a movie night, you're ruining it for us, you need to get out of here, and you need to calm down, and you need to leave. So it's very shaming. Um, of course, their behavior is disruptive. But that child is like, Oh, great. So I guess my emotion and my feelings are not important here. But yours are and so are the families, then leave. Well, for some children, then I'm trying to seek attachment from you. And I'm melting down even more. I go into my room, I tear the room up because I want you to see how distressed I am. And I hope that you're going to come in here. Because what I need from you is time. I need time with you. Because now I'm feeling like I've messed up. Now you're telling me to get out of here. And I'm getting more and more panicked. Like what have I done? I need to know that you still love me. And that we're okay. So it depends on the child. And it depends on where they need that time out. So the purpose is to calm down. Some children may need you beside them to calm down. But if I'm having my own temper tantrum, I can't I can't handle my child. And again, I don't mean this in an insincere way, or if I'm not trying to be judgmental, it's not about you, right? So our emotion has to be in check because our child is having a hard time and they need us. So having your own time out and things like that are very important, but we have to make sure that the child is okay first, right? If it's a safety concern and if you feel like you really can't be around your child, then sure, we do need to step away, but then we've got other, other concerns here right? Um, that I'm not going to get into right now. So how do they calm down? They can sit down beside you on the couch and calm down. What are those things that make them feel calm? Can they read a book? 
Can they play with a fidget? Can they listen to some music? Parents think, well, now you're giving them a reward. No, they're, they're, they don't know how to calm down. Am I going to calm down by putting my nose in a corner? No, I'm not going to calm down that way. What do I do to calm down? I step away. I read a book. I listen to some music. I call my friend. But with a child, we're expected to sit on a chair, sit there and think about what you've done wrong. Not calming, not relaxing. Very good. I love that. Okay. Well, that might lead into some of our tips now. Thank you so much. I was like engulfed in what you were telling us. So give us some tips. If we do have a child that is going through a temper tantrum or a child that does it a lot, even give Mm -hmm. us some tips on what we can do as parents to support this and support our child going through it. Yes. So number one is understanding, right? So um, like I said, they are not trying to give you a hard time, they are having a hard time. So understanding that up until age five, temper tantrums are normal. So this is just part of child development. Some children are more sensitive. Some children um, have more emotional dysregulation. They have, they don't know what to do with their big emotions. They can't handle them. Um, So they get easily agitated. And usually those kids are not at a zero. They're usually at a three or a four out of 10 most days. So they're, but we don't realize it because it's just their norm. So we feel like their heads pop off quickly. So it's understanding each child is different, understanding developmentally this is appropriate, that they're not doing it to make you angry. They're not doing it to be defiant, that they're really having a hard time and they don't know what to do with this emotion. So looking at it that way, instead of it's something that needs to be punished, you need to stop this. Um, You know, it's like being told, don't stop crying. Well, why? How many times do we start crying and we apologize? Because we have been taught to go away and have your emotion, go away and cry on your pillow. You don't do that here and you don't show emotion. So having emotion is okay. However, How do we let the child know that we're there to support them? That's going to change a little bit. And I think a lot of times it's changing our mindset. This is normal up until age five. Um, When we're talking meltdowns, which is more sensory stuff, the child is feeling a little overwhelmed, that that changes. That's a little bit different. That could be another another segment. Lots to talk about for sure. Lots. For sure. I love that. Um, Do we have another tip? Now, I would like maybe to give practical so for example I have a a client that has said to us that her one child um, becomes aggressive with his sibling whenever she has a toy that he wants and it's constant even if he wasn't playing with that toy as soon as she has the toy he wants that toy and if he doesn't get it he throws a temper tantrum so what would you suggest you know one maybe a little practical thing what would you suggest in a scenario like that where the one child is always giving in because the other one's always throwing a temper tantrum and wants that specific thing. Is there something a parent could do in that scenario to ensure that both children are are being respected? Right. Um, Well, I think in that moment, so this is a two, 
two part, right? So in the moment, um, understanding what your child does need, do they need space or do they need you close by? Sometimes we talk too much and maybe just sitting in silence with, with your child might help them, um, removing them, distraction, um, validating even their emotion and saying, I can see you're really upset and kind of labeling, you're really frustrated right now, looks like you're upset. Um, and then that helps a child feel heard, right? And again, you have to remember developmentally, you know, um, but even for young children, I mean, everybody wants to feel heard, right? So instead of being like, stop it, that's not okay, then it becomes about somebody else. You can label, I can see that you're frustrated. Um, you really wanted that toy. It's not saying that you grab that toy and that's okay. What I'm saying is I'm acknowledging what you're going through right now and I'm labeling your emotion. Right. So that can be helpful. Understanding your child's triggers and things like that um, is more of a proactive measure. And you want to try to figure out how we can work on this and talk about these things and normalize the fact that sharing um, is difficult for some children. And I didn't ask for a sibling. And I don't know that this child is seven months and developmentally um, is just grabbing because it's like, oh, this is fun, or I'm seeing my brother has this and, and aggression. Um, so emo there's a purpose for emotion. And anger is about setting boundaries and saying, stop, right? So this child is chewing on my toy. And to a parent, it's like, it's no big deal. But for me, this is a big deal. It's like telling a child, well, you know, don't worry about if your sister goes in your room and, and plays with your toys. But that, this is my space. Those are my toys. And I'm telling her it's not okay. If she asked me permission, that would be okay. Right. Mm. So it's getting ahead of a little bit, understanding the triggers, understanding that this is normal. And maybe there are some toys that we keep away from the baby. And those are that it's not share everything, but what are some special toys we can keep away from the baby? And what is the behavior telling you? Right. Something's going on. I'm agitated here. Or, you know, when I act out, then you will come in and play. But if I sit quietly with the baby, you are doing, you're doing whatever you're doing, and I feel ignored. It's, it's never a black and white answer. <laughs> no, I love that. Well, one of the things that I teach our clients when it comes to behavior or anything like that is a lot of times these children are trying to find their place within the home they're trying to find what can they control where where how much pull do I have here in this yeah, family you're right and being proactive can be a huge thing so something simple that I teach is don't necessarily say to your child you're having blueberries for a snack yeah. or you're going to wear the red shirt mm -hmm. or we are going to go to the park Sometimes allowing them to have control in areas that don't matter to you, like, mm -hmm. do you want blueberries or strawberries? Yes. Do you want to wear the skirt or do you want to wear the pants? Do you want to go to the park or do you want to walk around the block? And when you're giving them those choices, they're feeling like they've got some control. Yes. And I know that that can make a huge difference as well with some of those things that really do matter and that you can't give them options. So do you find that that's something that has helped children as well, having those choices given to them? Yes. With anybody right? Um, would you like to brush your teeth first or put on your pajamas? Like those simple little things, you want your blue pants or your purple pants. Um, the choice is essentially the adults, but the child feels like they have a say. Some children are oppositional and even it could be a great idea, but it's your idea, 
So putting some of that on them, it helps with independence, it helps with problem solving and accountability, and they feel like they're part of the plan. No one wants a dictatorship. But what happens sometimes with especially the little ones, it's like, no, you can't stop it. Instead, what can they do instead? Right? So no, you can't have this toy. Instead, you know, do you want to play with this or this while your sister is playing with that toy? Mm -hmm. And then you know what I'm noticing every time your sister plays with this toy, you get really upset. What do you think about putting some of these toys into a, a bin that will just be for you that you can play with during your own time and not in front of your sibling? You know, I love so that. I love problem that. solving. Yeah, you have some amazing tools on your websites that parents can have access to, which really touches on that topic of, of the non-negotiables versus the negotiables. And when it comes to the non-negotiables, you know, parents might have that structure and routine, which is really great for kids, mm -hmm. but sometimes children don't really know what the structure is. So you've got some charts and things that you can even have so that kids know, you know, I'm going to, we're going to have our, our brush our teeth, get into our PJs, read a book, and then it's bedtime. So they know what to expect, which can sometimes really um, make it easier with those non-negotiables. One thing that you teach I love is the when and then. Yes. Can yes. you talk a little bit about the when and then? Yes. Yeah. So the when then can actually help with temper tantrums um, because you're being clear with your expectations. And the when then is when you do something I want, then you can have something you want. The then really has to be something they want. So when your pajamas are on, then you can have your story. Well, if they don't put their pajamas on or if they put their pajamas on, but it's, you know, 15 minutes past bedtime, we have to be clear. We might need a timer. We, you know, we have to kind of go over some of those rules and validate. I know you're frustrated and upset. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time. Some parents will just give in. So the child knows that eh, doesn't really matter. Eventually, somebody's going to give me what I want, right? So the when then is very clear. Um, and eventually, they're going to get it. But you have to be consistent. And some children will have a temper tantrum, because it's what's working. When you see a behavior happening on a regular basis, it's usually working. So uh, with temper tantrums, especially when they get their cookie, <laughs> when they get their story, and then all oh, the crocodile tears are gone. It's like, got what I wanted, I wanted right? That's right? So a parent has to be in front of the behavior instead of the behavior running the household. That's great. Now I know what I would do in this circumstance. And I have had this situation happen with my kids, but I want your take on it. Sure. You're the expert in this space. But you know, a lot of parents will say, if I don't give in, they just won't get dressed. So for example, in the morning, it's time to go, we have to get I have to get to work, I have to drop them off at daycare, and they just refuse to get dressed. Mm -hmm. I have taken my kids out in their pajamas. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how you would feel about that. So tell us if, if that's a circumstance where you've given the when and then, or you've got your routine and they know what to expect, but they're just having a meltdown and you have to go and they haven't eaten breakfast. They haven't gotten out of their PJs. What do you suggest? Yeah. So in that situation, sure. I mean, especially if the child, the child probably doesn't care. It's probably more the parent that thinks I feel like a failure when my child shows up to school in PJs or daycare in PJs. But um, you know, if the child doesn't care, sometimes that that is what we have to do. 
My only concern with that, Debbie, is that when this is happening on a regular basis and parents are dressing their children as they're walking out into the car, they're dropping off McDonald's because we didn't have time for a lunch or they're starving. And, you know, so it's when we have those consistent issues, that's where the concern is, right? So mm-hmm. when we're constantly fighting, when the child is having temper tantrums and it's working, like, this is what I mean about we have to get in front of the behavior, except we we wish for a miracle every morning, but we have to step back and say, this isn't working. How can we work on this? How early do we have to get the child up? And they may have a temper tantrum or they may be upset, but it doesn't mean that we have to give them what they want. We can validate their emotion and then we move on. Right. So we don't have to turn this into a power struggle. And I think a lot of times parents will be like, Oh, come on. Like just, be happy and skip to school or skip to get ready to bed. And you know what? They're grumbling, but they're still going. That's right. 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 And it's so, it's so important to really, like you said, figure out if it is a scenario that happens all the time. Why, you know, parents might think 30 minutes is enough. Wake the child out of bed at seven, give them breakfast, get them changed stuff 30 in the car. That might not be enough. They might need to wake up at six 30 and watch TV for 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then get dressed and have their PJ. So even recognizing is there a change that as a parent we need to make to make yes. this easier. That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to ask you um, a question about Michelle. Mm-hmm. Tell everyone something unique or interesting about you. Something unique. Um, about me. Let me see. Tell us the goods, Michelle, something we don't know. Something you don't know. Well, I bet you you don't know that I um, was a dancer that I, um, I mean, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so I used to be uh, a teacher. And I was um, a dancer myself, my mom put me into ballet at the YMCA because I was a class. Um, And yeah, I it turned into a career for me for 20 years. Wow. I I didn't know it was that long. That's great. Yeah, it was 20 years. I taught baby ballet. I taught um, in the school boards and I also taught at a rec center. So it was, um, it was a lot of fun. It was lots of skills. skills. (laughs) Michelle, thanks so much for joining. Everyone can reach out to Michelle, the mom, the manager, mom, the manager is also her social handle or her handle for her social media. Um, And Michelle does so many amazing, incredible things in the community events, one-on-one. So thanks so much for joining Michelle and for everyone listening and watching. Thanks for joining in today. For the most precious moments. Well, <gasps> it's positive. Oh, oh my gosh, amazing. I can't believe we're that's pregnant. I'm so excited. Oh, that's oh awesome. So now what? Well, we contact Precious Moments Babies, of course. They have us covered from prenatal care to birth, postnatal support, and sleep counseling. Babies has over 14 years experience and a team of amazing PNSWs, nurses, and doulas. Babies is always available to help you 24-7. Visit babeez.ca.